Here, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Armand Lee, thanking each and every one of you all for joining me for another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. This is episode 114. I'm hoping everyone is having an amazing summer. You know, it's August already. I don't even know how. Don't even ask me how. Schools are starting to open up in the the D.C., Virginia area, so I'm sure everybody's getting ready to back to school shopping and i hope your pockets are straight right but before you embark on another day in your work week or possibly embarking on school shopping man rock with me for an hour or so because we've got a really great show in store yo the rich paul rule for real that's how the ncaa is handling things the rich paul rule (sighs) i remember the island houston rule you understand and when they start, I remember the Larry Bird rule, right? When they start naming things from you over you, like they're not even hiding it. They're not even hiding the hate. So we're going to break down the quote unquote Rich Paul rule shortly. And also, when I when I gave you guys my conspiracy theories a few weeks ago, you know, I got a few laughs, got a few LOLs, little emojis laughing, whatever, whatever. All right. Someone's on suicide watch, right? And the Bama's commit suicide hours after he gave up something. And y'all just going to believe that? Y'all going to drink that Jim Jones juice, huh? Okay. Yeah, baby. We I've been waiting for the perfect time to basically open up Pandora's box and, 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 and have everyone dive in deep into the conspiracy theories that exist in my mind. But we're going to go there in the third quarter this week. All of that and so much more. But first... Our number one topic this week. First quarter. All right, damn it. I have had enough. You feel me? We drawing a line here. If you are an athlete and your initials begin with A and B, dog is a wrap. It is a wrap. Albert Bell on that bullshit. Completely on that bullshit. I don't like baseball, but he was on it. Even though, shout out to him. That joint, when he flexed his muscle at the camera, was like, yo, this is where the cork is. That was one of the top top 20 flexes, athlete flexes of all time. But his ass was crazy as hell, Joe. Should have learned then. Andrea Bargnani. <laughs> My man. <laughs> My man. <sighs> Nick fans worldwide deserve like a bonus. The dumb shit that we have suffered through i'm not even going to spend too much time on this because all right this will be the entire show the new york knicks traded a first round pick for andrea bargnani ab's in the world learn a lesson i should have learned then i should have learned after bargnani's ass chain smoking in new york city hours before a game when he get his ass lit up by a journeyman d-leaguer you feel me but nah, I didn't. And then I ride, rode with what? Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner's dumbass, bro. Adrian Broner does not have a win of any significance in how many years? I'm not just talking about some dude that they, some tomato can they put him in, up against in the ring. When's the last time Broner beat someone of note? And every Broner fight is the same. Yeah, Broner's still one of the biggest draws in the sport. 
His ass was on Instagram this past weekend talking about he gonna retire. His ass ain't gonna retire. He already pulled that move before. You know, have, sometimes when boxers retire, they actually stop fighting for like a year, maybe like 18 months or so. Bernard didn't stop. He said he was gonna, you know what, I ain't even gonna spend time talking about him anymore. ABs. Now, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, right? Someone of significance who has the initials AB, but damn it, I can't come up with anybody. So you know what? If Michael Jordan or somebody along those lines has, if Michael Jordan's real name is like Albert Bartholomew, you know what? Fuck him too. <laughs> you feel me? If I forgot somebody with an AB, yo, send them my way, whatever. But the case remains the same. We should have known by now not to trust anyone with the initials AB. We should have known it. Dude, the names I gave you span decades. So you can imagine my surprise. I think it was last Friday. I'm sitting down, getting ready, building a rundown for my show. And the sports guy walks over to me and says, Arma, did you see this? And shows me his phone. And I'm reading it. And I'm like, oh, huh? It's from ESPN. So I'm like, okay, this is weird. The whole headline didn't make any sense. And it basically said, I'm paraphrasing, Antonio Brown threatens to retire if he cannot wear outdated helmet. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what? Bro, that's the last time. That is the last time. Many of you remember months ago now, not that long ago, when I actually shot Antonio Brown some bail. Because, you know, everybody was coming hard on Ben Roethlisberger or, or Antonio Brown, Mike Tomlin, yo, Le'Veon Bell. What the hell is going on with the Steelers? And everybody's killing A.B. And I'm thinking to myself, yo, A.B. just called out Ben Roethlisberger. There has to be some merit to that, right? <laughs> right? There's got to be. Here my silly ass go defending this fool. And now months later, people who rightfully, unfortunately, were like, nah, A.B.'s just a problem. They're like, yo, remember everybody? I guess Roethlisberger has something to do with this too, right? Correctly, correctly so. Hey, talk your shit. Dog, you won. You know what I'm saying? I'm not even mad at you, baby. But I'm, I have to look within myself and ask, why the hell am I rocking? Why the hell am I shooting a bell to another AB? It ends now. What is wrong with Antonio Brown? Bro, you didn't want Pittsburgh. And I get it. No disrespect to anybody in Pittsburgh. No disrespect from anybody from Pittsburgh. But I can understand, yo, I have the chance to go out to California and then possibly Las Vegas or I can stay in Pittsburgh. Bruh, easy peasy lemon squeezy, bro. That's the easiest decision you'll ever make. Give me the Raiders. It's all good. He hasn't played there one game and is already doing this. How? Make it make sense. Make it make sense to me. Bro, he's he wants to use a helmet in which and look and look, man. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump on, I'm not gonna pile on. I would love to hear, and I say this at my own risk, I would love to hear the rationalization from Antonio Brown because the NFL is like, yo, these helmets are not safe. They're not safe. 
This is the reason why you can't wear these older ones because we've got these updated ones that help better protect your brain. That should be checkmate to any argument, right? It's not as if, I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm not even going to try to speculate. I'm not going to try to sign him. I'm not trying to do anything. I genuinely want to hear from him why these older helmets are so important to him. So much so that he is threatening retirement. Bro, they just paid you. You made all this, made this big fuss. You got your money, and now you're talking about you're going to walk away. I'm not trying to paint you with any type of light, but Slim, it looks funny over here. And then, you know, we're going to get to conspiracy theories in a moment. But after the first week of Hard Knocks, and I don't even watch Hard Knocks, but people, everybody, it was almost like uniform. Oh, man, this show was whack. This show was trash. What the hell were they doing this first week? And now, you know, they got the eyes. I wonder if somebody from HBO was like, yo, A.B., here, hold that. Just do something stupid for us so we can get Because this week's episode of Hard Knocks, you know people watch it. For the same reason. Number one, A.B. A, made a fool of himself. But number two, I can't be the only one who wants to hear from him. Like, bro, what are you talking about right now? But that is a question that I find myself asking NFL players and NFL teams consistently now. What the hell are you talking about right now, bro? And this ain't a new segment, but it's just me being real. What the hell Alabama's talking about? Honestly, the reports came out the other day that Dak Prescott turned down $30 million. My man. Number one, and I've had this conversation before. I'm not going to rehash, relitigate older conversations. Y'all know how I feel about NFL teams, quarterbacks, and running backs, right? I feel that every NFL team should treat every position the way they seemingly treat the running back. Because I don't think quarterbacks mean that much to a team the way everyone else does. That's not to say that there are not exceptions, right? If you, again, same rule should apply. If you find yourself a Tom Brady, if you find yourself a Drew Brees, a Patrick Mahomes, bong, an Aaron Rodgers, yo, treat them. Treat them the way they should be treated because that is when you have an elite level player and yes, the quarterback position because of the rules and because of obviously the way that the, the sport is marketed, they bring more money to the team. However, if you have a running back and they hold you down, pay them. This is the, the idea, right? that you would be willing to spend that much money on Dak Prescott, but not be willing to spend money on Ezekiel Elliott when everyone who's ever watched a single second of football knows that if Dak plays this year and Zeke doesn't, that Dallas Cowboys team is trash. Where it is much easier to replicate what Dak does, particularly if you have Amari and Zeke and that offensive line, it is much easier to find the success that Dak can produce. Hell, the Cowboys... Bro, the Cowboys moved off of Tony Romo. Tony Romo was an undrafted quarterback. And he gave them a decade's worth of amazing football. Yes, I know the jokes. And I know Kutch Gene and all this other stuff. But, yo, we should be far enough removed that we can all look back and be like, yo, Tony Romo was a, was a, was a hell of a quarterback of his era. For his generation, he's one of the five best quarterbacks. For his stint, for his run. 
right? And then they find, you know, his his successor. I think what, what was that draft in the third, fourth round? This is precisely my point. You can find guys again. Neither one of them are Tom Brady, who, by the way, was drafted in the sixth round. Neither one of them are Aaron Rodgers. I get it. But the whole league is filled with guys who were first round quarterbacks or who had to be moved. You had to move up to get them. Look at the young quarterbacks in the league right now. Outside of Mahomes and Cam and Luck, right? I want to say Deshaun, but like we got to see more from him because he was hurt in his rookie year last year. was a decent year, but we'll see. I'm not ready to say, yo, he's one of the best. But outside of Mahomes, Cam, and Luck, yo, where are the, the amazing young first-round quarterbacks? And I get, right, what's my man's name? from Philadelphia. Wentz, I get it, Carson Wentz. He looks the part, but his ass is always hurt. I'm not ready to put him there yet. I get Jared Goff, went to the Super Bowl, right? But when his running back, Ty Gurley, is not playing, Jared Goff looks extremely pedestrian. Everybody's excited about Cam, right? Because, yo, Look at Cam's number when he, when numbers when he's healthy and since Christian McCaffrey has been drafted. I get the idea that quarterbacks are the, the top priority. But my point is when you start offering quarterbacks who are not good or not elite that much money. I keep on hearing Batman say this all the time. Oh, man, that's just the market. That's just the quarterback market. No, that's not the market. That's how people people. There is a market deficiency. You can't continue continuously see Tom Brady get paid well below market value, though he's the best quarterback of all time, though he's still winning, and the fact that he's taking so much less than the quote-unquote market value dictates or indicates, and his team continuously wins. They've been to three straight Super Bowls, and when two out of the last three have been to God knows how many straight AFC championship games. You would think everybody would start following what the Patriots are doing. You don't have to pay Dak Prescott $30 million. He turned down $30 million, bro. Look at the Vikings with Kirk Cousins. We've seen it. You, you can Look at the Lions with Matt Stafford. Every other year, you see what happens. And all these teams, just follow the leader. You understand? Like, like penguins falling off a glacier, right? Just walk, 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 walk. Like at some point, somebody gonna be like, oh, hold on. How come I'm not seeing the rest of these Bamas? How come they're not coming back? That's not the market. Bamas are choosing to do this. Bamas are choosing to continuously pay players who are mediocre at best. Large amount of money. Andy, when Andy Dalton got his contract, you would have figured that, okay, Bamas would have peaked game like, all right, this ain't it. We got to reconfigure. And now you add on to the fact that you have one of the best running backs. Remember, the Cowboys wanted to draft Johnny Manziel, or Jerry did. They wanted to draft Johnny Manziel. But no, they invested in the offensive line. Was smart. And then they got Zeke. And since Zeke has been in Dallas, they've been, it's been almost a complete role reversal in terms of that team's production. He's their best player. Why on earth would you not want to pay him, but want to pay Dak? 
And don't tell me, oh, it's the quarterback position. No, 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 no. Let's dive deeper. Because if you have Dak and you do not have Zeke, you will not win. And what I'm saying is, if you have Zeke, it is you have more versatility. You have more flexibility to find ways to win. Do I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to be a monster five, six years down the line? No, I don't. But, yo, we know what time it is for NFL contracts. Zeke wants guaranteed money. And for the next three years, I think Zeke is going to be an amazing NFL player. For the next three years, I think Dak is going to be who Dak is. Now, if you give him more talent around him, sure, he probably will get better. However, if you give him more talent, that means more money you have to pay. So in that order, do you have to pay a quarterback, quarterbacks who make a crazy amount of money, despite the fact that they don't even have to produce that high, right? Again, a market deficiency. You're dumping in money into a player who does not produce at an elite level, but then you have to dump money in all these other skill positions to then give your quarterback weapons. When the best weapon that he has is like, yo, er, pay me. <laughs> He's... If, if Zeke isn't the best running back, he's in the top three. Pay him. As soon as you're drafting him, your fortune's changed. Pay him. Zeke has played so well, Bama's confused what Dak is doing and what to praise him. Ever seen Bama's talk about, oh, man, Dak is three, three starts in the playoffs or whatever the case, whatever it is. He's got one, however many victories in the playoffs. Acting like, you feel me, like Dak is... You know, Dak is good, bro. He's good. I'm not hating on that, bro. But if he turns down $30 million, I know what time it is. <laughs> I'll find another Dak. How confident are you that you can find another Ezekiel Elliott? But it's all good. I'm crazy, right? I'm the crazy Bama. It's cool. I'll, I'll wear that black hat. But at some point, Bama's got to start looking at the teams who always win. The teams who always win. The Patriots won last year by running. The Eagles won the year before that by running in defense. The Falcons would have won had they would have ran the ball more. But no, nah, they wanted to throw, so the Patriots won. And I don't even remember the Bama's name, their running back. They just got rid of him, but he damn near could have been final or Super Bowl MVP. The Broncos won, but running in defense. Seattle would have beat the Patriots had they ran the damn ball. You get my point. You see where I'm going. Yes, you can find, of course, there are going to be more running backs available than there are quarterbacks. Right? That's just the, the nature of the position. Most teams now have two to three, most colleges have two to three running backs who can produce at a time. You're not splitting, you know, snaps with multiple quarterbacks. You're not doing that. So, of course, there's a larger pool to pull from. So, this isn't even draft running backs in the first round. I've done that in the past. I've heard you guys' critiques, whatever. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about once these guys have produced on the NFL level. Everybody is so willing to give the average quarterback a ridiculous contract. And we've seen Detroit. We've seen Cincinnati. We are watching it in real time with Minnesota, right? You pay these guys who are slightly above average all this money and then blame it on, hey, it's the marketplace. Meanwhile, 
Tom Brady keeps on taking $24, $25 million. <laughs> it's like, I'm cool, whatever. And all these guys who aren't making money yet go all the way back to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, back-to-back Super Bowls before he got paid. Then they had to let go of Mammoths. We've seen it. And I like Russ. Shout out to Richmond. Nick Foles in Philly. Jared Goff last year. You know, all these guys, before they get paid, it's easy to, to take the team to the Super Bowl because you can invest correctly in building the team. But if you don't have the Aaron Rodgers, if you don't have the Pat Mahomes, if you don't have the guy who's an instant, easy to spot superstar, then you're wasting money. If you're going to spend $50,000 on a Toyota, hoping it turns into a Benz, that's on your ass. Good luck. You feel me? But as I'm watching all of this unfold weeks before the beginning of the NFL season, I'm just thinking, yo, I can spot the Bamas who probably, and I'm not even trying to be funny, but you can spot the Bamas who probably got CTE right now. Like, what the hell are y'all thinking? What are you thinking? AB is going to walk away from all this money. You just got your money because of a helmet. No dead ass. I pray for you, bro. I hope whatever is happening. I, I hope whatever is happening is not the because of head trauma. You know what I'm saying? Because the signs have been, it's just strange behavior. And maybe I'm late. Maybe he was strange when he was in school. I don't recall. I don't recall A.B. acting like this as a rookie, as a super young player. But he is now. And what the hell is going on with the Cowboys? I don't know what that is. That's ego. That's even worse. That's ego. But $30 million to Dak Prescott. (laughs) Good luck. All right, y'all. That was the first quarter. If you disagree with anything you heard, or maybe you want to hear me discuss something new, Hit me up either way. I'm on Twitter at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Or email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. All right, guys. That's the first quarter this week. We're stepping on to the hardwood, international hardwood, for our second topic. This second quarter. This next topic has kind of flown under the radar. But if you haven't been paying attention, the FIBA World Cup of Basketball has begun. And... Despite the fact that there are a lot of big names who have withdrawn, who did not want to be take part in the World Cup of Basketball, and there are a lot of reasons uh, because of it. Obviously, the Olympics are next year, uh, and it started late. I mean, training. I mean, the NBA season is now moved up. The NBA season begins in October now. We are in the middle part of August, so you do the math. It's basically two months before the season starts. Training camp is in a matter of weeks. If you are one of the top players, that means you probably had a long playoff run. You need to rest. It was a lot of movement this offseason. A lot of uh, a lot of teams feel that they have a championship run, and there has been, obviously, when you combine the movement and the high expectations for so many teams, you know, People need time to jail. People need time to rest. People need time to clear their mind, make sure their bodies are completely healthy and hit the ground running because this upcoming season is going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. 
But while everyone seemingly is like, oh, man, the NBA has a problem. Oh, man, Team USA has a problem. We can't get the big names. Bong, bong, bong. I like the idea that the World Cup is kind of like a breeding ground for the Olympics. Look, I don't need to see LeBron in the Olympics anymore. I don't know if LeBron wants to play, but I don't need to see him. He he carried the torch. Him, Melo, Wade. They were a part of a, uh, a rebranding of Team USA, and they got everything back on track. And because of that, man, those guys, they've done their part. You know what I'm saying? It's like watching the Avengers. Yo, Cap, Thor, Iron Man, y'all y'all held it down. Y'all gave us a, a decade worth of, of film. LeBron, Melo, Wade, they gave us over a decade worth of Team USA gold. And they were at the lowest point. Those guys were part of that Puerto Rican team that lost. I was dating a woman. I was dating a youngin. Quick story. I re- I'll never forget. It. I guess, what was it? 2002 or 2004? One of those years. I think it was 2004. Dating a youngin. She's Puerto Rican. And I'm watching the first game of the damn Olympics. And we lost to the Puerto Rican team. And I was like, What? Her brothers and uncles, they was going to, you th- you'd have thought that they won the damn baseball, you know what I'm saying? Whatever the baseball uh, international thing is. They was going hard. The Bamas ain't picked the basketball up in a day in their life, young. J.J. Barrera. Oh, was it even J.J.? Oh, it, no, it was like, I don't even remember the Bamas thing. One of the motherfuckers tore our asses up. I will never forgive Larry Brown for that. And I will never forget the day where the Boricuas was talking shit to me. A 6'4 black dude about basketball. I had to eat that joint. Never will I forget that day. All right, that was a quick aside. But back to the point. LeBron was a part of that team. He and Melo. So they were at the worst. They were at the bottom, the, the absolute bottom of Team USA Olympic basketball. And they built it back up in part with the Colangelos and the vision that Coach K, Popovich, everybody has had with Team USA Basketball. And that deserves uh, a certain amount of appreciation, right? Because they didn't have to, especially after that moment in 2004. They didn't have to be a part of it. They didn't have to sign up for that. But now, we we back. We on the America stuff, right? We back on our BS, right? We flexing on everybody. We like, dog, whatever. And it's the same thing that happened early, or I shouldn't say early, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Where we just start filling ourselves. And because the A-list players don't come, we then start bringing any old body, right? And what the mistake was in the 90s and the early 2000s, we were bringing in veterans who were like the C, D-listers, right? So all the top list stars, they didn't want to come. So then we had to start asking the Vin Bakers of the world to be in Team USA. You know what I'm saying? And I think correctly... What Team USA is doing now, instead of getting the veterans, I don't want to see, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I don't want to see DeMar DeRozan. I don't want to see him. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to see, they have messed up with the, they got Brooke Lopez. I just like, why? I don't want to see Brooke Lopez. I don't want to see these old veterans. You've been in the league nine, 10 years. No, 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 no. I want to see the young boys Get the opportunity and treat this as a breeding ground because what you have seen 
if you've been watching NBA TV and have no life like myself, the young pups, man, they are taking this as an opportunity, as they should. Marvin Bagley, Derek White. Hey, let me know when y'all want to have a Derek White combo. I haven't forgotten. This is like the third time in a month I've brought his name up. I'm going to sit back and patiently wait. I'm not even going to pop off. It's against everything in my soul not to talk, not to flick off, not to let y'all know. But I heard the chirps this summer when I was like, yo, a certain someone, right, a certain team in the D.C. area who has a special player to try to flip him to San Antonio for the, the embarrassment of riches that the Spurs have in young, underappreciated talent. Derek White being key among them. So I ain't going to say too much about Derek White. But I'm I'm waiting. I want my apologies. <laughs> but again, not going to get off track here. I like the vision that TMUSA is taking for the most part. The De'Aaron Foxes of the world. The Marvin Bagley's of the world. The Derek White's of the world. The Donovan Mitchell's of the world. These are the guys who we should be grooming. The NBA, and I said it all last season, has to get out of their own way as it pertains to getting the casual fan ready for the life after LeBron. LeBron is a cyborg. It is insane that LeBron is one of the best players in the league this late into his career. With that many minutes, that many miles on his body, we have seen LeBron in eight of the last nine finals. And despite the fact that he's now in his mid-30s, he's still better than 98% of the league. It's nuts. And LeBron, essentially, he got help in Anthony Davis. And you can make the case that Anthony Davis now, I'm not talking about historically, right? I'm not comparing Dwayne Wade's career to Anthony Davis's career. That's That'll be absurd. But I'm talking about the moment LeBron started teaming with them, the precise moment. You could make a case that Anthony Davis right now is a better player than Kyrie was when LeBron teamed up with them and Dwayne Wade was when they teamed up in Miami. Again, listen to what I'm saying because I know so many people are just so ready to attack. Anthony Davis is better at the moment that he becomes a teammate of LeBron. Dwayne Wade's great years were before LeBron played with him. Wade had two really, really good years of those four. And then he had two really, really bad years. Okay? You could make the case that Wade only had one great year. But we're not going to do that. We're going to give that man his flowers. But Dwayne, Dwayne Wade was on the bottom half of the, the trajectory was coming down. He was not peak Dwayne Wade when LeBron came to Miami. Anthony Davis, I don't think he has hit his peak yet. And I think the games and the styles mesh better than the way in LeBron. We'll see. Obviously, LeBron is not the player that he was when he went to Miami. But you get what I'm saying, right? The moment LeBron had started teaming with his specific teammates, Kyrie, Dwayne Wade, Anthony Davis, I think right now, Anthony Davis, right now, not historically speaking, just at the moment they become teammates, I believe there is a very strong argument that Anthony Davis is the best teammate LeBron has ever had. We'll see. We'll see. But again, we need, it's amazing that LeBron is in a, 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 in a, 
a lot of people's finals contention and legitimate. This isn't just Lakers fans. A lot of people think that the Lakers can win a championship the year, this year as they should. And it's a testament to LeBron, his durability, his, uh, his conditioning, his focus, whatever the case. I'm not going to go. This is not a LeBron James topic. This quarter is about Team USA and the NBA specifically partnering up and getting the casual fan, not me, not you who are listening to this podcast, but maybe your homeboy, maybe your girl, maybe your cousin, your best friend, whomever. When you talk about the NBA now, people still think about LeBron James. I don't think LeBron is the best player in basketball. I don't think he's the second best player in basketball. Hell, if you really wanted to tell me that LeBron was not in your top five, I would agree. I, I mean, I wouldn't agree, but I, I, can, I can rock with that. But last year was a perfect example because LeBron was playing in L.A. The game started late. They didn't make the playoffs. Ratings dropped. And that's a failure on the league. The NBA has so many great young players. Great young players who have personality. Great young players who have great stories, who have different stories, who look different, who play different. The entire, the, the league is so much bigger than it has ever been. Nikola Jokic is one of the best players in the world. And I don't know if I've ever heard, like, I don't know if I've heard him say 30 words. You know what I mean? And that's not because I'm not interested. I want more Nikola Jokic on in, in the in the, the national games. I'm glad. I believe the Nuggets have. Yeah, I'm glad the Nuggets are on Christmas Day. That should have happened. I'm glad Giannis is getting the opportunity to show the world what type of personality he has. And I'm glad people are taking notice. The league has done amazing when it comes to Embiid and Philly. But the De'Aaron Foxes. You know what I mean? Like these young players who are amazing, right? I want to see Wendell. I want to see all of them. Hell, if like there are not enough opportunities for all of the talent that exists in the NBA. So if they want to use the FIBA World Cup as a breeding ground, if you will, not just for these young players to get opportunity on the on a bright stage and to show what they can do versus the best in the world, but also, right, because casual fans, anytime you see the stars and stripes, people will start paying attention. This is not the Olympics, obviously, I know. The FIBA World Cup will not draw anywhere close to what Olympic basketball will. We all know that. But it does give people an opportunity, people that you would not have otherwise have heard, people who, whose stories you would have not otherwise have seen or known. It gives them an opportunity to showcase, showcase what they can do. And that's exactly how Team USA should um, handle these type of situations. I don't think this is a negative uh, moment as a lot of hot takers have been um, depicting this as. I think this is a beautiful moment. This is an ideal situation for Team USA, Team, ba Team USA Basketball, and the NBA for that matter. Get the young guys. Don't go to the Michael Finleys and the Richard Davisons like we did in the late 90s, early 2000s. No, don't do that. Get the young pups. Get them ready. Because when LeBron walks away, Durant probably is not going to play in 2020. I doubt that LeBron plays in 2020. Anthony Davis probably will. Steph Curry probably will. Klay Thompson probably will. Damian Lillard, Kyrie, all those. The usual suspects. They're next up. But we got to get the pups, 
the guys behind them ready too because LeBron's era has has taken over two different eras now, right? LeBron was in the the LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony era, but he has also continued past through the Steph Curry, the Kevin Durant, the Russell Westbrook, James Harden era. We got to get ready for the era after that because the, despite the fact that LeBron has defied human physics, he's not going to be in this next era. This era of Anthony Davis, this era of Zion possibly, Carl Anthony Towns, you name him. Like, I, I don't even know. Like, so many of the best players in the league now are not from America. It's nuts. Like, I'm starting to think. I'm like, okay, well, Joel's not from America. And like, oh, okay, well, Giannis is not from America. And then he, you know what I mean? You just do it in your head. Ben Simmons is not from America. You just do it in your head enough. You're like, oh, damn. <laughs> these, these, these world teams are going to be really, really good. And that's why we need to make sure that our guys, our young guys are ready when they get the time. When, the, when they get their opportunity, when the ball rolls up to them and it's time for them to get burned, they need to be ready. And what better way to prepare them for international play than the FIBA World Cup? So shout out to Team USA. Shout out to the Colangelos. And I can't wait, man. I really can't wait. Like I like these type of games, man. Because, you know, when you see Rick, Ricky Rubio play for Spain and you're like watching him in international play, you're like, yo, Ricky Rubio looks like one of the best players in the world. And then you see him play for the Jazz or I think he's in the Suns now, whatever team. You're like, yo, what happened to Rubio? It's not that anything happened to him. Ricky Rubio's been playing with the same team and the same, you know, the same type of style, the same system since he was a boy. Comfort breeds success. Practice makes perfect. And the earlier we can get the Whites, the Mitchells, the Tatums, um, the Foxes, I, I love to see Brad in them, right? But I understand he's a, he's a new father. He's getting ready for a second child. I understand that. But you get what I'm saying. The earlier we could get these young guys ready for the, sprite, for the bright lights of Olympic and uh, international basketball, the better not only will our team be, but the better these players will play at a, at a, in a level, right, that so many of them have not yet had the opportunity to play on. All right, guys, you heard the horn. That is halftime. Got my Captain America Team USA thing out the way, bro. Hey, you'll never see a more patriotic person than a black man during international basketball. I have, I firmly believe it. Joe, when the Olympics are popping off and Team USA are playing, slim. Who is who is the wrestler who you said had the mask with the uh the the, the Patriot dog? I'm talking about Captain America for real. I be going stupid hard for team for the USA, bro. I be sick of the Pledge of Allegiance the whole nine, Joe. Don't play with me when Team USA is playing basketball. I don't care what country you're from. I want heads to roll, bro. I will never forget 2004. I never felt more embarrassed in my life. <sighs> All right, y'all. Halftime is here, but before we get to halftime, we got another question for stoppage time. This week's stoppage time comes from Carlos. Carlos, shout out to you, bro. I hope you ain't Puerto Rican. I hope you don't take offense to what I just said. But if you do, fuck you. I don't care. Nah. nah just, <laughs> hey, I'm playing. I'm playing. Carlos, shout out to you, bro. I'm playing. Thank you for listening to the quarterly report. I told you I get sensitive when it comes to Team USA. I was joking. 
Shout out to you, Carlos, all the Boricuas out there, bro. All right, Carlos, you're, you're from Sacramento. Shout out to Sacramento. Shout out to California for listening. Carlos, your question to me is, am I excited over the, uh, the NBA schedule release? So, Carlos, first off, thank you for the question. Shout out to you, the King. Shout out to De'Aaron Fox, like I said. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not excited about the NBA. Yo, it's, it's so funny seeing uh, the NBA's, I don't know if you want to say, call it a booming popularity. Whatever this era of NBA uh, popularity, however you want to classify it, and how the NBA has so brilliantly tied themselves to the digital platform and they seemingly are the best sport, American sport, I should say, at understanding where the youth is with technology. So all the apps, all of the, the gadgets, all the, the, the tablets, the social media feeds, they really do a great job at tying themselves with this ever-changing uh, dynamic as it pertains to uh, content. So out of the blue, like on Monday, so all weekend long, I'm hearing, oh, the jump is live in Orlando for the NBA schedule release. And I'm thinking to myself, dog, when has the NBA schedule release ever been a thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you have season tickets, I'm sure that that that, that obviously means something because, you know, you have tickets to these dates. You want to know what dates are. And, and when the NBA releases, like, the Christmas slate of games, MLK Day slate of games, right? Those are the two big NBA days, right? Outside of the playoffs. Christmas Day, I'd argue, and maybe this is something that we, you know, I think I may have done it in the past, where we rank the biggest sports days of the year. To me, MLK Day is the best sports day any sport has of the year. The NBA gets MLK Day done perfect every single year, not just with the games, but actually having the vignettes, having the players talk about what Martin Luther King Jr. meant to the world, give, gives them the opportunity to, to give insight to how they view things. And here's the thing that I love what the NBA does about MLK Day. They don't only ask black athletes about Martin Luther King. That just blows me. I don't know. I don't know if I'm the only one who thinks like this. But like, if you can't celebrate Dr. King, like you don't have to be black. To appreciate him. You don't have. To, like there's certain people who you can appreciate. Without being. You know whatever they are. You know what I'm saying. Like I know we're in a, a divisive polarizing time in the world. But like Dr. King. Come on now. <laughs> we all can agree. As it come, if, if we're ranking Americans of all time. There ain't that many you're putting over him. Right. So like when I see all these other sports. And that and during MLK, they, there is only one professional sport going on, and that's hockey. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> it would be kind of funny hearing, like, Alex Ovechkin talk about the greatness of Dr. King. But I would think, I, I would love to hear it. He's not American, obviously, but still. Be that as it may, there is no sport that does any day, in my opinion, better than the NBA does MLK Day. So I get why, you know, in the past, MLK Day, Christmas, those release dates were very important, right? The NBA has those days basically to themselves. However, I don't like the idea that the NBA is now build, blowing up their schedule release. It was it was annoying when the NFL started doing this way years ago. And I think it's similar 
It's very still annoying. It's still very annoying that the NBA is doing it. I don't need to know every single date. It's like, it's not a big thing. Let me know. I'll look at the team schedule and see which games I want to go to, whether it's the Knicks or the Wizards. And boom, right? And then the TV schedule as it may. It doesn't need to be this big rollout to jump 3 p.m. schedule release party with, uh, you know, Disney World and, you know, all these local RSNs doing this hour-long television special about handicapping the season. That's... Y'all can have that. So, Carlos, thanks for the question. But, nah, I'm not excited about the schedule release. I'll be excited when the games start. Until then... Y'all can have at it. Carlos, thanks again for the question. Again, if you guys want to hear me talk about something or if you want to challenge me on a particular topic that you may have heard me speak on, email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at me, quarterly show. Again, we spell quarterly here, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. Now, we talked about hard knocks earlier in the Oakland Raiders or the Los Angeles Raiders, whatever the hell they're called, the Raiders. And how they were on hard knocks. And a lot of people were a little, you know, frustrated, disappointed at how the first episode of Hard Knocks went on. But I found one moment of Hard Knocks that not only was so enjoyable that it put a smile on my face, it also left me asking one simple question. What? Everybody right now has dreams, don't they, guys? I said it to the rookies, all right? Everybody in the NFL, I have a dream of making it in the NFL. I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dream what? anymore, okay? I'm in nightmare. What? You guys with me on that? You got to end somebody's dream. What? You got to take their job. You got to take their heart. What? Are you guys, you guys clear about this NFL now? We're not trying to go to the Peach Bowl. What? We're not trying to go to the Gator Bowl. What? Or the Blue Bonnet Bowl. We're trying to go to the Super Bowl. Okay? And to do that, you got to really try to end somebody's dreams. Are you what? Are that, Farrell? Okay? I mean that now. So get into that. What? Let me tell you something. As someone who used to always, and when I mean always, I mean always watch wrestling. I haven't watched wrestling in, in, in decades, right? Over close to two decades probably now. But Slim... If ever I need a smile on my face, I pull up the old school Stone Cold clips, Joe. And and when I watch, and this is something that isn't just unique to John Gruden or any type of NFL coaches. All of them are crazy. All of them. You know what I'm saying? Football is not, it goes back to the first quarter. You know, it's I'm not even trying to be funny because it's actually really sad when you think about it. But, yo, you watch football, and you could go in the back. And somewhere in your mind, and I know I ain't the only one. Don't, don't play me like that. When you're like, okay, yeah, he got CTE. The mammals are nuts. Every single football player. And I know I'm not the only one. And, I look, there's some NFL former NFL players who I love dearly. People who have held me down for years. Got nothing but love for them. Right? People have been on this show. But if you know anyone, any of you all listening, have you ever known or ever met and know quite well anybody who's played high-level football, maybe not in the NFL, but D1 college, maybe played overseas, whatever the case, played in Canada, they're all a bit off. You got to be, football is, you got to be something different to play that sport. And, like, you are listening to the head coach talking about, yo, you got to pull somebody's heart, not the opposing team. You talk about your teammates. Dog, you trying to get somebody's job? 
It's not about outworking them. It's not about, you know, studying film or training your best. Nah, the man said, I'm not into dreams. I like nightmares. <laughs> Bro, can you imagine any other field where your supervisor, your boss, right, says something like that? That shit is nuts. But it's regular degular in the NFL. Football is out of here. <laughs> that just is the funniest thing in the world. Yo, I'm not much for the Gruden's. I don't like the whole, yo, Jay, I really don't like at all. The whole thing with John is about he's, you know, he can't sleep and he's like the last one to leave, the first one in, doesn't see his face, all that stuff. Man, I ain't here for that. You know, I think there are more than one ways to skin the cat and I think that's probably, if he has to do all that, that probably is an indictment on his coaching style. However, I would love to hear John Gruden just talk. You know what I'm saying? He was great in the booth. Hard knocks, just put a mic on Gruden and AB. That's it. That's all we care about. I don't care about none of them other Bamas. David Carr, nah. Just Gruden and AB. And let the psycho psycho it out. <laughs> all right, y'all. That's been halftime. We're going to keep the show moving with our third topic this week. Third. Yeah, it's time to jump on down into Pandora's box with me real quick. So as I've gotten older, I've become more and more skeptical of pretty much everything. Um, I think that curiosity is uh, it, it, it lends itself into uh, progress. You challenge things, you challenge ideas, challenge yourself um, and you get a certain type of um, I don't want to say benefits, right? But you, you, I think you unlock a certain level of yourself that you never really realized that you possess, right? If you challenge certain things, challenge ideas, you'd be surprised at what you, you get um, on the back half of that. I think it's a process that we all probably should do more, but as you, as you grow, um, as you become older, as you start to your own family, as you, you know, pave your own way, carve your out carve out your own identity you know it's things that like that, that that just naturally happen as you become an adult as you become older you just start to question things right because as a youngster you know your parents tell you something and by and large you just kind of do it you know um, if you do this you'll get in trouble so i don't want to get in trouble i won't do this and, and, and that, that's that's obviously a real simple way of looking at it just a simple example but just ideas and authority like you know what i mean like i like working in a, in a in a job that i do now where i can question my supervisors and they don't feel some type of way and if they do they do a really good job of showing it but like questioning things i'm raising my daughter to question even myself if i ask her to do something right there's nothing wrong with asking me why like understanding why you're doing something not just doing it blindly because you've been told but actually understanding the logic behind why are you doing it i think that if we do that more, right, we become far more independent. And independent thinking is something that I'm really, really big on. I say all of that to say, yeah, there are certain conspiracy theories that I, I enjoy that really, uh, you know, that pique my interest, right? Pique my curiosity. But this upcoming one, what happened this past weekend? I don't even know if there's a real conspiracy theory behind it. I think, bro. 
For those of you who are not aware, Jeffrey Epstein is a disgrace or was a disgraced financial advisor of the stars, right? He was a big, well-known individual, shared circles with some of the most powerful individuals this country has seen, probably many other countries, but I can only speak of what I know, right? And when this story first popped up about maybe three weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, uh, time kind of flies. You know, and he was indicted on these charges of sex trafficking, you know, underage, child abuse, and all these other things. And you, and you start to see it's like some of the circles, some of the the company he kept, right? Some of the circles that he he uh, frequented, you know, princes and former President Bill Clinton, current President Donald Trump, all these power brokers, all these big names, financial. I mean, people who have. A lot of power, a lot of influence, and probably, unfortunately, most most important, a lot of money. Again, be that as it may, he got jammed up, he got caught. I don't even know how he got caught, how they got him, but they got him. So, a month, around really his first week, I want to say, locked up, there was an attempted suicide, right? However you want to define it, like, whenever you believe whatever you want to believe, right? trying to keep it as factual as I can at this moment. Just trying to set the table for you all who are not familiar. Parent attempted suicide at Epstein during his prison. Now, at some point, they said they found him in a fetal position. There were marks around his neck. Some people thought that, yo, somebody tried to put a hit out on him. Some people just thought that an inmate, you know how, you know, you hear the stories in prison or in jail. Inmate sees that you are doing things to children and, you know, they, they go at you. You become a target, right? It's a, a kind of odd justice system that exists in our penitentiary system. It's nuts when you think about it, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say that. All right, so whatever. So those were some of the theories that are being tossed about about the first attempted parent suicide by Jeffrey Epstein. Then this past weekend, I guess it was Friday, there were some unsealed documents that were finally sealed about names and people that may he have may have stuff on in regards to the former inner circle again he has associated and been linked to some powerful powerful people talk about like the most powerful people this country has seen and again you've got some former princes in there too so you know international hours later he's dead now again it's important to underline this part he was already on suicide watch. There was already a failed attempt at suicide. So he was now in a part of the prison he was in, right? Where it was highly, you know, now it's like he's on high alert. He's a huge federal, you know, I don't know if he's a witness at this point, but he was a, few, a huge federal prisoner, right? who has the potential to flip on God knows what on some of the most heinous crimes. He has already tried to commit suicide, failed, or I shouldn't say failed, right? He did not, uh, he did not kill himself. He was moved into suicide watch. And now they're saying the moment he killed himself, there was not a, a correctional officer on watch. And the tape is all funky. They're saying the tape there's a malfunction during the time he killed himself. All of these things are happening at the same time. 
And it, and it just lends you to think like, come on now. Again, independent thinking. You can think I'm a kook, whatever, I don't care. You can think I'm nuts about some of the things that I, I spend time and energy on with some of these conspiracy theories. And again, I don't always buy in to the theories that you know I read up on or I watch certain documentaries on, but it's just intriguing, it interests me. Because again, I'm keen on allowing your mind to just try not just saying that it did happen, but allow your mind to imagine, right? So the way you exercise your biceps, your chest, your back, your stamina, exercise your imagination, exercise your thinking, right? Just try. But this, nah, bro. I don't, I don't think this is a conspiracy theory at all. They killed that man, Joe. I think that's, I think, I think you would be naive not to believe that. I think you would be naive not to believe that Jeffrey Epstein was actually killed himself. And again, if it was on the first pop, first try, okay. If they, if he killed himself when he uh, apparently tried to initially, I would be like, okay, I, I could, I would be able to understand if you are a person who is accustomed to living the white collar lifestyle, having all this money in the moment. I mean, literally, it was like as soon as he got in, you know. I can imagine that transition being a lot to, to take. And I have no sympathy for him. Make, make no mistake about this. I have no sympathy for Jeffrey Epstein. He was a monster. The things that he was accused of, the things that they had evidence on. He, you want to talk about some other scary stuff. The 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 number, I mean, the, the level of human trafficking as it pertains to children. There are so many documentaries on human trafficking. It is scary. It is frightening. You wouldn't want to leave your child with anyone and the levels of it it is a, it is I don't even have the word to properly describe how often how heinous it is it's scary let's just put it like it's frightening okay so anyone tied up into that get him out of here right but the fact that he was linked to so many powerful people I read a book when I was younger Ron Brown's body and it details the Clintons, dog, equal opportunities right now. I, if you're a Republican and you feel some type of way about Trump, hey, shots are coming his way, right? I don't trust him. And some of the story, some of the stuff that Epstein has said about Trump years ago or detail is crazy. Donald Trump is on interviews or interviewed in the past before he was a political candidate talking about how he knew Epstein liked younger he was like, yeah, Epstein is a lot like myself. He likes women, He which is weird, right? Anytime you hear Donald Trump talk about that, he's always talking about how much he loves women. And there's nothing wrong with loving women. There's nothing wrong with loving men. But people who always talk about their love and the desire for one specific type of... Like, anytime you hear a straight person say, oh my God, yeah, I love women. It's like, wow. It feels like you're, you're, like, you're overcompensating for something, right? In any, in any regard, right? I digress. You also heard the president at the time, non-political figure, talk about how he knew Jeffrey Epstein loved women, but also he likes them very young. And it was just weird hearing a grown man talk about that, knowing what you know now. But also their ties to the Clintons. And the Clintons, man, there are a lot of untimely deaths linked to the, that family. I mean, it is, again, I feel that you would be beyond naive to believe that it's just coincidence. Throughout all the dead bodies, 
who have ever even pretended or attempted to stand up to the Clintons in any way, specifically politically or legally. Again, you do that, do with that what you will, right? I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to lead you down any, any road on this. I just focus completely on Jeffrey Epstein and the cases or in the situation in the context surrounding this case, right? I think somebody got to that dude, man, because they were scared that he was going to flip. I don't know who it was. I have no evidence to support it. But if you mean to tell me that someone, a high profile, not just some regular dude on the street, it's about one of the most high profile prisoners that the, I'm sure that this correctional facility has seen in years, tries to commit suicide, right? They keep him alive. They put him on suicide watch just hours after unsealed documents are then sealed under sealed documents are unsealed hours later. No correctional officer is watching him on suicide watch. There's malfunction with the tape. And then when everything is discovered, he's dead. That don't smell some type of way to y'all. Like, I don't think you have to be, you know, a, hey, there, there are computer chips in our brain. You don't have to be, oh, we're living in a simulation. You don't have to be, be on some, oh, we never, you know, the, the government, the FBI killed JFK. You don't have to be down that road to believe that what is happening now is all the way fucked up. Fucked up, not because he didn't deserve it. I'm not, I don't like talking like that. Not that he, that you have any type of sympathy, empathy for Jeffrey Epstein because he is a monster. He was a monster. He did awful things. I'm not feeling any way about him. I'm feeling some way about all of this, right? Because I don't think you can be friendly with someone who is this ingrained, this entrenched into a human trafficking ring and not even have the slightest idea. Okay, hold on. It ain't like, oh man, you didn't know your homeboy was selling weed on the side? Nah. But if you got a homeboy who's a dope drug lord who's pumping all types of drugs to all these different countries and he's been doing it for decades and you mean to tell me that's your man and you had no idea? Yeah, I'm looking at you funny. I'm looking at you funny. And that fact that he's with the most powerful people. We talked about ego earlier. Ego is a the most dangerous drug. The most dangerous drug. People get off on power. If you allow it to happen, ego tripping is, is, is spreading wild. And you mean to tell me the most powerful people who probably do all types of, and I'm not trying to say that these powerful people indulge in this. And if you want to take it here, you can. I'm not doing that right now. I just think it's odd that all of these people with all of this power were friendly with this individual who had this clearly intricate, detailed, very profitable sex trafficking ring and no one knew anything and the moment sealed documents become unsealed hours later he's dead i want to hear from y'all man do you think i'm nuts am i crazy for thinking that this is a bigger play here and that it'll just be swept away under the rug and no one will ever talk about jeffrey epstein past 2019 because that's how i feel let me know your thoughts on the matter hit me up via twitter quarterly show q u a r t e r l e e show or email me quarterly report at gmail.com hey man you hear the music x files baby it's out there the truth is out there baby this is the matter if do you want to do the dirt and dig in and find it i don't 
Because this is being, this is a free podcast. God knows who will listen to this. Hey, let me say this. Because I ain't going to talk about too many conspiracy theories after this, bro. But if they, if something happens to me, understand, I didn't do anything to myself. I love my life. I don't do drugs. So, <laughs> this is the other news. Oh, man, Armand Lee, 36-year-old from Largo, Maryland, was found in his basement. The bullet in his head, cocaine all over the place. You know how Dave Spill had a sprinkle cocaine, sprinkle crack on the black man. Hey, none of that happened, right? Something never happened to me. Know, know that the, the, one of the theories hit a nerve. Just know that. All right, y'all. We are three quarters down, one quarter left. No conspiracy theories. I promise you that. No craziness. Just an awful rule by the NCAA. So our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. Although the NCAA has backtracked and has now kind of done a, I wouldn't say a mea culpa, but they've loosened up the restrictions of the quote-unquote Rich Paul rule, it really is something that they would even think that this is, that this is an intelligent move forward. In, In all aspects of life, we are now... You know, we could talk about all the negative things that are, are that exist in our society, the environment, race relations, uh, the financial wage gap, um, debt. We can we can go on and on. Right. But one thing I do find um, uh, one positive that I do find as it pertains to not just Americans, but right, just we as as humans. We are far more developed in terms of, you know what, we are open to being, you know what, just because you have a degree does not then mean that you are best suited for a position, right? Innovation at every turn is increasing, is rising, right? There is a a, a genuine appreciation for, I don't want to say, you know, merit, because as a country, we are still not a merit-based society, right? But in some aspects, we appreciate drive. We appreciate ingenuity, right? People who are doing things differently, doing things by their own accord. Every, again, look at the the biggest companies, right? Some of the biggest innovations, the newer trends that we have. I mean, just people who have an idea, have the gumption and the drive to realize that idea and then make it happen. And this is a trend that is taking over a lot of Fortune 500 companies, maybe even wherever you work. And I think that's a dope thing to, to, to continue. That's a dope trend to follow. Let innovation spark throughout wherever you work or whatever you do. You know what I mean? Innovation is key. Innovation is, is empowering, empowering, excuse me. And I, I think that. When you have people, young people who who overcome and use their mind and their drive and the outside of the box thinking to reach certain levels, they should be applauded, especially when we're talking about young people in school. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like That's mostly what college is for, opening your mind, being the best version of you that you can be. And it doesn't matter if you have a degree. If you can get the job done, I don't know. Actually, yes, I do. Let me rephrase this. If we truly live in the world that we like to 
pop, you know, and beat our chest and walk high about and be proud about. About this true uh, open in society where everybody can achieve anything, the American dream. You know what I'm saying? How is Rich Paul a threat? And I know the NCAA loosened up their restrictions. I get it. I understand it. But why would they put this rule in place in the first place? If this is the, if this is the dream, don't tell me Rich Paul is not the quote unquote American dream. From nothing to something. This I'm, I'm old enough to remember. I am old enough to remember when people openly, openly mocked disrespected LeBron James and his friends. When LeBron James first came into the league and said that, you know what, he's going to have his friend be his agent, and they were they, they were mocked. They were mocked 2003. I know I'm, I'm an old man now, but I, I swear 16 years can't be that long ago. It can't be. I remember it vividly. And now, and you want to talk about the tr the real America, there ain't nothing more American than this. They will laugh at you for having the dream, for being a dreamer, right? For having an idea and not going with the status quo. They will laugh at you for that. And then the moment, the moment where you reach the mountaintop, it's not as if the laughs turn into applause. No, the laughs then turn into, oh, you're a threat. And now darts are coming your way. If that ain't, that joint blows me. Just, just reliving that in my mind, as I'm sure it probably bothers many of you listening to my voice right now. Again, just think about this, right? We are the land of the free and the home of the brave. We pride ourselves. We talk ad nauseum about pull yourself up by the boots. That's all these bammers. All these Bamas who in one at one side of their mouth will tell all these people, particularly LeBron, to shut up and dribble, will then look at everybody else and be like, hey, pull yourself up by the, the shoe shoelaces. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You can make it, right? We have a prime example of LeBron James, in my opinion, one of the greatest American stories ever. Or I shouldn't say ever. In in modern history, in modern times, LeBron James, from his upbringing, right, to getting all of the social media fame and glitz and glam before he ever achieved anything from a professional level, having the entire world throw darts at him, take shots at him, become public enemy number one, and then flip it in the matter of the years. But they're not also flipping it, but flipping it for his friends who came up in similar situations. You don't have to like LeBron. This is not a LeBron quarter. It's not. This is about Rich Paul. I don't care if you're a Pelicans fan. You understand what I'm saying? I thought that was kind of lame. I didn't like how Anthony Davis played it. Right? I don't like how it was carried out. But he, being Rich Paul... Did what any agent should do. He got his client where he wanted, when he wanted, and that's the end of the day. Now, what Anthony Davis does, can Anthony Davis perform under the bright lights in L.A.? That remains to be seen. But Rich Paul did what any agent, what any agent worth their weight should do, right? Unfortunately, 
it became in vogue to throw shots at the at, at Rich Paul. And this is not the time. I don't have the time. I don't even have the energy to get into all the reasons why I believe that Rich Paul has become this beacon or this 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 person who had who who radicalizes and makes so many people scared and fearful, right? And it's so easy for people to place this this dark cloak over Rich Paul and make him into this villain, right? I don't want to get into that. I think most reasonably intelligent and honest people can have their own theories on that, and I think we probably will have very similar opinions. But that's not about this. Is, this quarter is not about that either. I want to shine the light on the NCAA because they continue to always preach student athletes. Student athletes. They don't care if these guys get the. They don't. They don't give a damn if any of these quote unquote student student athletes get a degree. They don't care. They do not care. I think we all would agree on that, right? A degree in 2019 does not mean the same thing that a degree in 1979 and 1989 or 1999 for that matter means. It doesn't, the, the, the marketplace is too competitive. There are people who have tons of degrees because that's what they've been told to do. Get a degree, then get your master's, whatever. And then they accumulate so much debt, but they're not enough good paying jobs. So you got all these degrees and you can't get in the workplace. So you stay in debt. Meanwhile, you have someone, right? Did not have a great deck of hands, did not have a great deck coming out. Their hands that they were dealt was not great, but they made it into something. And we all should applaud that. We all should look at that and be like, yo, you talk about a testament to drive, right? To crew love, man, to a vision, foresight, dedication. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't that LeBron just gave his homeboy a job. Like, All right, man, you good. They worked their ass off. And now they've built an empire. And that should be something that everyone can get behind. And yet the NCAA is like, nah. Now make this, make sure we underline this. This rule was not built to tear down Rich Paul. Rich Paul has made it, right? He is now his own entity. He does not need the NCAA. Right, people who are trying to test the waters, they're not going to Rich Paul at that at that moment. Right? He Rich Paul's put himself in position to get the home run hitters. Not the dudes trying to make the big leagues. Okay? He's past that point. However, the rule initially, as it was stated, was put in place to make sure that there isn't another Rich Paul, and that's the problem. We should want so many more Rich Pauls. You know what I'm saying? The Yo, you know how there were some people who, there were people who before the housing crisis, right, before the housing bubble, bubble bursts, they were on television saying, yo, this is not sustainable, right? The surge in the market, like at some point, there's going to be, this is going to even itself out and it's going to even itself out by a pretty, drastic and horrible event. There were people before the housing crisis happened calling it out. I have since seen people, and this was like a few years ago, talk about the college and the student loan crisis. And it's bad now, but I don't think we've even hit the tip of the iceberg. When that bubble pop bursts and you have candidates trying to be like, yo, they're trying to beat it to the punch. Like, yo, we're just going to forgive all of it. 
Something has to be done because whatever's coming is going to rock us to the core, similar to the housing crisis. But again, this quarter is not about that, right? If you have people, young people, who can achieve certain goals without getting that much debt, why wouldn't we want them to? I know why. You know why. Because the root of all evil is money. But it's not just money, man. And that's the thing. That joint really blows me, young. And I'm glad that the NCAA reversed course, but they don't get any credit for that. There was a dumb idea. You understand what I'm saying? If you want to light yourself on fire, but right before you light up the match, you're like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Nah, we ain't throwing you uh, a celebration because you didn't do something stupid. Your idea was stupid and you need to be ridiculed. So no one else does anything stupid like that again. The NCAA is a joke and we could go on and on about how many ways it is. But this, something that should be lauded, something that we should all put up and praise and be like, yo, you, this is something to be proud of. This is something that we should aspire to. The NCAA and I'm sure other agents in the NBA played a part. They took it as a threat. If that doesn't let you know just how laughable the idea of student of amateurism is, that they, that they are making it harder for people to be an agent. Huh? The whole game is ugly. I don't care that the NCAA loosened up the restrictions. It should have never been, they should have never even had that idea. And that they did, and that they publicly voiced it, and that it took an entire week of shaming for them to back up and back off of a foolish idea. You know what I'm saying? I hope, I hope these young players who are talented, who are amazing basketball players and who bring so much money into these schools understand their power. Not one player going overseas, not a handful of guys, all of them collectively. We talked about innovation earlier. Innovation is all around us. And when young people, young people with the power, young people with leverage, and in this case, the players who drive college basketball, if they all linked up, it's like, you know, we're doing something different. That's the innovation that I want to see because the NCAA has shown their true colors time and time again. At some point, we got to stop complaining about the NCAA's true colors and put some shades on and change right the hue. And I hope these young boys and women, young ladies, they take heed, man, because Rich Paul can happen. It doesn't just have to happen in business, in agency. It can happen all throughout the workforce, including labor and athletics. And when that happens, when that innovation happens, let me know, because then I will be ready to give praise to that as well. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show this week. I want to thank each and every one of you all for rocking with me again. We will be here next Tuesday. This show came out a little bit late Tuesday night, but hey, things happen, little technical difficulties. I want to thank everyone for rocking with me again. Head on over to Apple Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podknife, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star review if you do not mind. But more important, please let me, your friends, the world know why you listen each and every week to the Quarterly Report Podcast. Man, the numbers continue to grow each week. 
I got to thank all of you all for that, man. Big things are happening. They're right around the corner. I don't want to say too much, but I will say I appreciate each and every one of you all for listening from day one or if this is the first day you've ever listened to the show. I will be back here next Tuesday, man, with so much more for a brand new episode of The Quarterly Report.